Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining me for Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad that you are here. Your Daily Drive is the podcast where I share our article content with with you. And so you can read the uh, article if you wish, or you can listen to it, or you can do both. In today's podcast, the article that I'm sharing with you, the title of it is How to Tell If a Person in Trouble is Genuine About Wanting Help. Let's say that somebody comes to you. And they are discouraged, they're down, they're despondent, they're despairing, they're depressed. But are they serious? Do they really want help? Do they want to experience transformation, or are they just looking for a way to get out of their trouble, but not necessarily wanting to experience restoration? This is a big deal in the discipleship world. People come to us all the time looking for help, and sometimes it's really hard to tell if they are genuine. And maybe when they first came, they were genuine, but then they went into sticker shock when you told them what the change process would entail. Well, I want to talk about that in this podcast. And so let's pretend that someone is before you, and they're asking for help, And you really want to help them, but one of the first calls that you have to make, realizing that this is a subjective assessment, of course, but the question is, are you really serious? And so if you want to read this article, I would love to share it with you. It is free. Our resources are free, and you can go to our website, rickthomas.net. Look for the title of this article, How to Tell if a Person is in Trouble, or I'm sorry, How to Tell if a person in trouble is genuine about wanting help. But first, I just want to thank many of you who support our ministry. Thank you for making it real. Thank you for permitting us to do what we do. Just today, I was talking to our contractor in Hungary. He is working on our LMS. We're going through our entire learning management system, our mastermind course, and we are doing some significant changes to it. We are optimizing it. I also spent a good long time this afternoon talking to a podcast company. Uh, The gentleman came to our home, and we spent well over an hour talking about podcasting. This is something that has been on my heart for a long time. We've got a lot of work to do in the podcasting arena uh, to get our podcasting up to where it should be because the goal is always to reach as many people as we possibly can, and we can do better with our podcasting, and so I I've been talking with this company, and we met, finally got to meet today, and so that's something that's also on the horizon. And when my friend from, my new friend from Hungary, finishes our learning management system and our mastermind program, we will be able also to roll out some some miniature small classes for you to take for those of you who are not ready or not able to take the massive mastermind program. We have a lot of changes that are happening, and that's been the nature of this ministry for well over a decade now. And that's why I want to thank you, you all who support our ministry. Bert, thank you so much for your kindness to us. You know who you are. Thank you for your generosity. Last uh, fall in 2020, we moved all of our resources out into the public space. We have 16 video channels with hundreds of videos on them. Today, I just uploaded seven more videos. It is our suicide series that Daniel Daniel Berger and I got together. 
and did seven new videos. We have 16 video channels. We have more than a dozen graphic channels. We have well over a thousand articles, well over a thousand podcasts, and there's so much more on our website that is free. And that's why it's important. We we rolled the sovereign dice last year and said we're going to give it away and we're going to trust the Lord that our supporters will help underwrite our ministry. Well, we have lost well over a hundred supporters since we made it free, and we knew that would happen, but we're still trusting God that there will be people who are willing and able to support us so that we can continue to go, and that's why I'm I'm still in faith to work on these mastermind programs, to, to hire those folks out, to help build them for us, to hire out a podcasting company so that we can do our podcast in a, in a better way and to reach more people and the other things that we have in view here that we want to do, all with the design of reaching people with the practical message of Christ. I say all that because I want you to know what is going on here. And also, if you are able to support us, I'm making that appeal. This stuff doesn't happen freely. This past week, I have been working 14-hour days just on the LMS so that we could get it up and running. Tonight, uh, we have an all-student meeting and where we're going to talk about some of these changes. And so there are things that are happening all the time, many things that you would not know about, but I want you to know about it. I want you to know what's going on. And so every now and then I, I take a podcast like this and share a few minutes so that you can be in the know. I also want you to pray that the support supporters will come and underwrite this ministry. Again, we knew that we were going to lose a lot because once they received the resources free, well, and I understand. I like free stuff, too, and so it's not a criticism. It's just a reality, but we have lost over 100 supporters, and that was expected. We did not go into this without counting the cost. We knew pretty much exactly what was going to happen, and sure enough, it did happen. And so Bert, and that's why I'm so encouraged by Bert and Debbie, by the way, today, who who got back on board and is supporting us and so many others, and I just thank you so much for doing it. All right, this article, again, is titled, How to Tell if a Person in Trouble is Genuine About Wanting Help. Let me share with you the story of Mabel. Mabel was like this. She did not have a an escape plan, and, and trouble smacked her right into her, her face, and she didn't know what to do. She was a carefree teen who lived in a world that catered mostly to her. She was somewhat spoiled in that she never really lacked for anything. Life was good. As she moved into her 20s and began engaging in the adult world, she found people less accommodating than her parents. Imagine that. The beauty, the difficulty of growing old as we step out of our parents' home and, and begin to realize that life might be a little more difficult than we anticipated. The authority structures in her life, the new ones, not her parents, they had a lower ceiling than what she expected, and right and wrong were narrower than she realized. It seemed Mabel was continually bumping into trouble. She drove too fast and got a ticket. She smarted off at her employer, and he fired her. She ran up her credit card debt, and the creditors came looking for her. The seeming end came when her boyfriend of seven years dumped her. 
from her perspective, he did not want to love her anymore. From his perspective, it was a different story. He said she was a greedy well of selfishness who consumed his life. They were living together, and so he left her in an apartment she could no longer afford. This last straw was the one that broke the camel's back. Mabel was devastated. She was head over heels in debt, had no place to stay. Her boyfriend had rejected her. She had no job. Mabel ran hard into life, and life smacked her in the face. I want to take that story, and I want to hold it up like a mirror to the story of the prodigal son. I want to share the prodigal son. You're familiar with it. It is in Luke 15, 17, and following. And I want to talk about a game plan, a plan of restoration for Mabel. It is the same plan that the prodigal did. And I want to bring this old parable out of Scripture and bring it into our age. And I want to show you how relevant it is and how it applies to Mabel. I want to give you a five-step plan to restoration. Let's jump right into it. Prodigal 15, Luke 15, verse 17. Luke 15, verse 17 says, But when he, the prodigal, came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here in hunger. Five steps to restoration. Step number one is the end, E-N-D. When Mabel came for counseling, one of the first things I wanted to know was if she was at the end of herself. If this, her story, her drama, was this the end for her? I'm talking about the actual end that we see portrayed in Luke 15, 17, when the, when the prodigal son. You know, it's hard to tell with some people if they have come to the end of themselves. There is a difference between being at the end of your rope and the end of yourself. If Mabel was at the end of her rope, there would be discouragement, but she would still have a few options at her disposal to sustain her self-centeredness. That's being at the end of your rope. But authentic brokenness characterizes a person at the actual end of themselves. It is genuinely a nomos, nomos of the heart. No more, no more of the heart. I am at the end. Step number one is the end of the five steps to restoration. You see, I could not tell with Mabel. She looked broken. She looked to be at the end of herself. It was still hard to discern if the discouragement and signs of desperation were about her limited options and frustrations or if there was genuine brokenness before God. You see, there are two forms of repentance according to 2 Corinthians 7.10. Chapter 7, verse number 10, there is worldly sorrow that leads to more death, and there is a godly sorrow that leads to more life. It's like when you make your seven-year-old say, I'm sorry, to her brother. She mouths the words, but you have an uneasy feeling that there was no heart change. 
She was only at the end of her rope, but she had options. She was not at the end of herself, truly broken. If repentance were only about appearances, we wouldn't know if it was genuine. Which is why the template for Luke 15, verses 17 through 21, they're so valuable to us. It gives us a way to think about how real change occurs by observing this case study. I want to ask you a question at the, at the end of each of these steps. And so this is step one. Step one is the end. Here's the assessment question. For those of you who may be in trouble, are you really at the end of yourself? Step two is the plan. In Luke 15, 18, the prodigal said, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Here we have the story of a son who had a lot of stuff, but he was not satisfied. Mabel is like him. She was living the good life, but she was not content. When she struck out on her own, things went downhill fast. The prodigal, too, had plenty of benefits with his daddy, but he wanted to do his own thing. The problem was his immaturity and delusional thinking that he could do what he wanted to do. And you know the story. He did a big belly flop in a hog lot. If we were only left with the, he came to the end of himself, it would be a cliffhanger. All we would know is he came to an end of himself, but we would not know anything about restoration. What does a person do after experiencing brokenness? What does a person do when he comes to the end of himself? I'm talking about the real end, the genuine, authentic end of himself. Well, the next thing the prodigal did was make a plan. The young man plotted a course of action for his repentance. The process of change begins by coming to the end of yourself, affirmed by a plan for restoration with those you hurt. The broken person who is at the end of their rope will create a plan to get out of their mess. The prodigal was serious about change. Though he was perishing with hunger, his main concern was restoring his relationships. It's like the seven-year-old throwing a tantrum. Is he more interested in repairing a relationship he broke, or is he more interested in changing his adverse circumstances? More than likely, the seven-year-old is more interested in getting out of the mess he created, but not so with the prodigal. He didn't focus on his mess. He didn't focus on the adverse situation. The only thing that seemed to matter with him was getting right with his daddy. Step two is the plan. Here's your question. What is your plan to restore the relationships you've broken? Of course, I'm making an assumption here, assuming that you have broken relationships. And so step one on the path to restoration is the end. It has to be the end. Step two is the plan. Then you build a plan. Step three are the conditions. In Luke 15, 19, the prodigal said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Now let's imagine the seven-year-old saying, the one who threw a tantrum, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like a slave. 
Now, I think this kind of response would clue you into the condition of his heart. It would be a marvelous thing to experience this kind of repentance from someone, anyone. It would be great if I repented this way. It is total, complete, and unconditional surrender. We see this kind of repentance in David after his friend Nathan confronted him regarding David's adultery with Bathsheba. When David came around to writing how he felt about his infidelity, listen to David. Here's here's a couple of things that he said. Psalm 51 is the entire psalm. I want to share with you verses 4 and, and 11. Notice David's nomos nomos. No more, no more. I am done. I am at the end. He said this in Psalm 51.4, Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Verse 11, And then he said, Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Do you hear the desperation in David's heart coming from his lips? The white flag was waving in David's mind, and it was clear to everyone how the Lord mercifully brought him to an authentic end to himself. In his case, the only thing that mattered was God restoring him. David was dialed in to what he had done against God, and there was no pushback. You didn't hear David talk about Bathsheba's role in their problems, and she had a role. He didn't talk about anybody else's role either. This little tidbit about what David didn't say is a clue when trying to discern the brokenness of a person. Is there still blame? or Is there justification? Are there traces of stubbornness in their lives? If there is, there is a good chance the person has not come to the end yet. There is still some fight left. But not so with the prodigal. The white flag was waving, and the next thing on his schedule was to restore what he had broken. It didn't seem to matter that he was dirty and probably reeked of hog freshener. (laughs) A person experiencing genuine brokenness thinks less and less about himself and more and more about others. Self-esteem is gone out the window, and other esteem has returned. The prodigal made the switch from all about him to all about others. Step three are the conditions for restoration. Here's your question. Have those who you have hurt experienced your authentic repentance? The title of this podcast is How to Tell if a Person in Trouble is Genuine About Wanting Help. I'm laying out five steps to restoration. I'm using the old prodigal story in a real-life, well, fictional situation in five steps. Step one is the end. Step two is the plan. Step three are the conditions Step four is the implementation. Luke fifteen twenty, And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and, and kissed him. I want you to notice what has been said thus far. 
everything that I've said thus far happened before the prodigal ever moved a muscle. Up to this point, the prodigal has been all talk and no action. Point number one, he came to an end of himself in the hog lot. Point number two, he began making his plans while in the hog lot. Point number three, he finished his plans. He said, I'm going to go to my... He didn't go to his father. He said, I'm going to go to my father. Point number three, he finished his plans while in the hog lot. Everything that has happened thus far has happened without him moving a muscle. It is only now, step four, the implementation. He is activating his plan. Once he knew what he was going to do, as laid out in steps one, two, three, how he would do it and why he would do it, he got up and began implementing his steps of repentance. By the time you get to this place with someone, you will know if there is brokenness. When they come to you for help and you help them with a plan, and they do not follow through with the agreed-upon plan, well, you have your answer about them and their genuineness. The prodigal was all in. He wanted to change, and he was humble enough to do whatever it took to change. The big key is whether the person you're trying to help will listen to what you are asking them to do, and they are eager to learn and implement the things that you share. If you begin to negotiate with them like you're bartering over an item in a pawn shop, the person is probably not broken. Here are some of the characteristics of a broken person. I'm just going to give you a, a word cloud of a person who is broken. In fact, I would encourage you to use these words that when you are helping someone and you're, you are wondering if this person is genuine or not, put this word cloud over them, over their head, and see if it's consistent with the person that you are looking at. Here's a list of words of a person who is genuinely broken. Humble, easy to help, courageous, inquiring, teachable, non-resistant, Repentant, eager, learner, grateful, unselfish, hope-filled, engaged, encouraged, unconditional, positive, responsive, non-critical, motivated, inquisitive, proactive, easily satisfied, hungry, willing. Some of these are synonyms, and you can hear that as you listen to the words that I just shared with you, but I just want to give you as many colors and shades as I possibly can on the palette of repentance so that when you look at it, look at these words and look at that person and see if the two are consistent so that you can know if this person is genuine about change. Step number four is the implementation. Finally, he gets up. He came to the end of himself. He began to talk about his plan. He set his conditions. Treat me as one of your hired servants. It doesn't matter. I just want restoration. And then step four is the implementation. Step number five is restoration. Luke 15, 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The story of the prodigal had a happy ending. It ends well because God's 
God favors the humble. If he were proud, he would meet another side of God which would feel like a warring army against him because God resists the proud. My hope for Mabel is that her story will have a happy ending too, but it will depend on her attitude. It will depend on what she wants. If she is after God's glory and will unconditionally give up her life for his worthy cause, it will end well for her too. If she is only lip-syncing, I'm sorry, to get out of trouble, she'll be back in the hog lot again. Transformative restoration is finding satisfaction in God alone. Genuine repentance does not mean you can repair all of your messes. The things that have happened in the past doesn't mean, and genuine repentance doesn't mean that you can repair all of those things. In David's case, he did not experience deliverance from the consequences of his sin. In fact, he took some of those consequences to his grave. The most vital heart check, however, for the genuinely repentant is whether a person wants restoration to God or they really just want to get their personal cravings met. For David, it was more about being restored to and satisfied with God. He did not get everything he wanted But he did experience restoration and satisfaction with God, and that was enough. You will see the evidence of Mabel's full repentance when she experiences restoration and satisfaction in God alone while humbly seeking to repair those relationships which she has broken. Here is the sequence, the five steps to restoration. Number one. The prodigal came to the end of himself. It was the real end, the genuine end. He was not at the end of his rope. He was at the end of himself. At the end of the rope, you have options. Maybe there's a couple of things that you can try in your self-sufficiency. But at the end of yourself, you are completely bankrupt and you are empty. The prodigal came to the end of himself. Number two, he made a plan to restore what he had broken. And so he began to script out what his plan would be so that he could experience restoration with his father. Point number three, his plan was unconditional. It was not about him anymore. He was no longer the the center person in the room. He was on the periphery. Other people mattered more. So not only did he script out a plan, but part of that plan was unconditional surrender. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And then number four, he finally got up and he began to act out. And so when you meet someone, you want to go through these first three steps. You want to try as subjectively as you can to see if this person is at the end of themselves. As you get to toward the end of the process, you will realize if they are genuinely at the end of themselves or not by how they respond to what you're asking them to do. And so as you meet with them, you want to try to discern if they are at the end. You want to begin to make a plan of restoration. And of course, in that plan, within that plan, has to be 
unconditional surrender. And then step number four, you want to implement it. Now is time to get up out of your chair and go and do. And so often when you meet with someone in, like, say, a counseling context and you give them an action plan, they go out and then they come back the next week and you ask them, did you do what I asked you to do? And, well, they had not. I had this recently with a couple that I was meeting with, and I asked them, here's what I want you to do, which was to read a couple of chapters out of a book, and then when we met the next week, they had not done it. They did not implement it, and I knew they were not genuine about this process. The prodigal, on the other hand, implemented his plan, point number four. Number five, guess what? God restored him. The prodigal was satisfied. And then he began to repair what he could and began to bring restoration to his world. The title of the podcast and the article that I just shared with you, How to Tell if a Person in Trouble is Genuine About Wanting Help. I do have some call-to-action items here, but there's also some questions that I've been asking you throughout this podcast. And what you can do if you're interested, you can go and get this article. There is a print button at the bottom of the article, and you can print it off into a PDF. You can write on it. You can actually take it, and you can share it with anyone that you want to. You can get together with uh, some folks and talk about this. I would love for you to work through the assessment questions. If you are the person that's in trouble, if you are finding yourself in the hall glot of life, then please read this and assess yourself and use those questions. If you are helping someone and you're not sure if they are serious about change, well, maybe it would benefit you to share what you're thinking with a friend, not just any friend, because you don't want to be gossiping, but you want to share it with a friend who can come alongside you to help you to see and to understand and to discern and can guide you through this process as you help the person who is stuck in trouble and who is stuck in trouble. And as always, if you want to reach out to us, please do that. We are a 24-7 shop. We are a sanctification center in cyberspace. We are here to help you. Jump on our free forums. If you're a supporting member, our private forums, ask your questions. It would be a joy to serve you.